Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. We're very happy that you've joined us. Along with me is the co-host Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Doing fine, and uh, definitely looking forward to tonight's very uh, controversial topic. Yeah, definitely is uh, in in today's day and age considered controversial. And joining us is a voice I think our listeners are is probably are probably recognizing now because uh, he's been with us several times. We're happy again to have with us Evangelist Alan Hitchin. Alan, thanks for joining us for this podcast. Well, I always appreciate being invited. It's such a pleasure to share these thoughts with everyone, and and hopefully we can all come to a understanding of the scriptures. Yeah, so for this podcast, we're going to be talking about the role God has given to women. And, you know, like Jeff, how you said, it's controversial because in today's society, we certainly know that many feel that women should have a different role. In fact, many kind of feel insulted to some degree when they understand what the Bible teaches. And, you know, because their views have changed based on human wisdom, uh, they often reject. Alan, don't they, the the role that God has given them? Well, it's unfortunate that sometimes the culture we live in has more influence over us than the scriptures. And that's really what we want to begin with, because since we already do have some of these prejudices, I want to make sure that all of us are on the same page as we go through this so that we can understand the emotions that may arise as we're looking at these scriptures and maybe anger or frustration might arise because when something is controversial it needs to be slowly and carefully and and kindly gone over to make sure that everyone understands since we're all coming from this from a very different perspective i thought this was a good way to start so brian given the controversy of the the subject do you think we may actually turn this into like a two-part podcast for our listeners yeah you know one thing we had discussed was kind of understanding at a real base level what role god has given to women and then in our next podcast transition to women leaders in the church and how that also has in many respects become controversial but also somewhat become the norm, right, in in religious uh, worship and so forth today. Okay, sounds good. So I I guess I think it'd probably be a good idea as we just begin to scratch the surface getting into it. Um, Alan, if you could comment a little bit on how something perhaps that's taught in the Bible, you know, relatively clearly somehow morphs or mutates into something that becomes highly controversial. Yeah, I really did want to talk a little bit about this because as you read through history, it's fascinating to see that in each generation, it's a different set of scriptures that becomes controversial. And so 100 years ago, uh, the verses that we're talking about right now had very little controversy to them. But now they have come to the forefront, and perhaps in another 100 years, these will recede and something else will come forward. And Peter deals with this, uh, and I, I think it's good for our listeners to to really sit down and think, because, you know, we're, we're addressing people in multiple cultures all over the world, and we all approach the scriptures from a different basis because of the ground that we that we grew out of. And so if we are living in one culture, uh, then we're going to see this from a different perspective. And and he deals with all this. So uh, uh, one of you guys want to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 19, please? And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, Alan, I noticed here, you know, in this translation, it says from your aimless conduct. Uh, We have a note here that, you know, in the New American Standard, it's your futile conduct. And in the NIV, it's your empty conduct. So anyhow, kind of gives a little bit of a different uh, 
thought there, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And the point that he's making here is maybe among the most critical things that we as Christians have to deal with and have to understand. God is eternal. His plans are eternal. His desires and expectations of his creation are fixed and absolute, and they are completely recorded in the scriptures for them. So when we find something in the scripture that stands out to us as seemingly shocking or seemingly maybe not even possible, we have to understand, as as the uh, Holy Spirit here explains through Peter, that man has the ability to create traditions that are aimless or futile or empty. In other words, if we start doing something today, in a hundred years, that will have become a tradition. And in a hundred years, what we start doing today will seem to be something that's always been like this. And then when the scriptures come along and they say something different than, quote, what has always been, when the reality is it hasn't always been, it's only been for maybe a hundred or two hundred or three hundred years. And so in the case of Peter, he is bringing God's revelation to a group of people who have been living an aimless conduct received by tradition. Well, that's all of us. Every single Christian, before he became a Christian, or even if he was raised in a home with Christian parents, he is still getting these thoughts from school, from friends, even from parents who have not yet been able to completely remove it from their own lives. So each culture, as it walks outside of God's revealed will, is going to drift further and further away until when we first read a scripture, it seems shocking. How can that be? How can it be that God would say that? And this is the truth with all controversial things. Even baptism, there's been so much taught on baptism through the years. And when you actually read in the scriptures, Jesus saying, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. Many people recoil and they say, well, we don't think baptism is for salvation, but Jesus did. And so if I don't think something that Jesus thought, then I need to change my thinking. And so God's eternal. And he watches these things again and again and again. People who forget his will, create something else, get comfortable with something else, and then when they come back to God's will, it sounds very controversial. Yeah, that's such a key point, because if we truly respect the Bible, and we truly respect it as God's word, then it really has to be the only standard that we follow, right? And and Jeff and I often on this podcast talk about, you know, it doesn't really matter what we say necessarily. It's really what God's word says. It's not what the pastor or the preacher or whomever is teaching says. It's what God's word says. And, you know, Jesus made this really kind of echoed this in John chapter eight in verses 31 and 32. And he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So I think we all understand the opposite would be true, right? If you do not abide in my word, well, then we can't be considered his disciples. He goes on in verse 32 to say, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah, and that that really summarizes everything that we're saying up to this point. I think another verse that might help our listeners is the one in Acts 17, 11, where it says, these were more noble. And the term noble there has to do with, as God looks down on the race, he sees who are much more uh, noble and honorable than others. And what makes them honorable? They search the scriptures to see if what they believe is true. And they search the scriptures to see if what they're being taught, which may be different from what they now believe, is true. And if they realize that my current understanding is wrong. Now, I read the scriptures and I'm shocked. I read the scriptures and I say to myself, how can that be? I've never thought of this. All of my friends believe a different way. All of the culture believes a different way. And maybe every a lot of people in religious uh, groups also believe a different way. But if it's in the scripture, then we have to say, I'm not going to follow the world. I'm not going to follow the aimless conduct. I'm not going to follow the, the thinking of men. I want to be right with God. 
And so when we have a controversy, and this is this is maybe the most important thing I'm going to say in this whole podcast, because whether we're talking about the role of a woman or whether we're talking about any other thing that in our lifetime, when we first read it in the scriptures, it doesn't seem to ring true, then we have a clear picture that the aimless, futile, and empty conduct that has come down from our fathers is now clouding my mind and not allowing me to see something that I should see clearly because the scriptures are absolute truth. There is nothing in God's word from Genesis to Revelation. There's nothing in God's word that is not absolute truth. The Holy Spirit has revealed it and God in his providence has kept it pure and he expects us to trust it and he expects us to submit to it. But there's always going to be people out there who are going to make it look like what we're thinking and, and thinking or feeling is actually uh, foolish. Yeah, and you make, a, a, I think, an interesting and a very excellent point that we probably want to you know, linger on here for at least a few moments. And it's, in some ways, our response to what the scriptures have to say. In fact, I'm kind of reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning roughly around verse 26 where it says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, in some ways it talks about things that might appear to be foolish from a uh, human perspective. And maybe I guess the point is if, if we look at something in the scriptures and it appears to be foolish or weak or base or despised, maybe that's a point we better pause and you know, re-examine why we feel that way. Is that fair? is exactly correct and that's why i wanted to introduce this controversial lesson in this way so that all of us could understand if we recoil if we look at a scripture and we say in our own minds i do not believe that then what we have done is we have screened ourselves right out of faith and trust in god God specifically decided, and I don't believe there's anything that God chose that is weak or foolish, but in the eyes of the world it is. And as I said, from generation to generation, that, that those foolish and base and despised things will shift depending on the culture that we're living in. But in this day and age, when we read something in the scriptures, and it seems foolish or weak, or if the people around us, if we practice it, are going to despise us and they're going to look down on us and they're going to say, what's the matter with you? Why would you act like this? Then what we're doing is we're choosing God over men. We're choosing God's wisdom over man's wisdom. And we are choosing faith over sight because the word of God is very clear. And when it says something, Christians have two responses. I will do it or I won't do it. If we do it, that's faith. If we do it, that's obedience and submission. If we refuse to do it because it doesn't fit our understanding of the way things ought to be, we've just screened ourselves. We've just disqualified ourselves right out of the truth. And it's just so important that we understand every scripture is inspired of God and it's profitable and we need to believe it. Because if we are not absolutely convinced in the inspiration of the scriptures, Satan will find a way, just like he did with Eve. You remember in the Garden of Eden, Satan tried to get Eve to think that God's command regarding the eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a foolish command. He said, you won't die. He said, you'll become like God. You will have more wisdom. Well, we saw how that turned out. She believed him and she was destroyed. And so the same thing is true today on any controversial subject. If the scriptures say this is true, then it's incumbent upon me to believe it. Yeah, you know, Alan, why don't we also add kind of one more element 
to this discussion for our listeners to consider one more principle, and, and that comes from John chapter 12, verses 48 and 49, where it says, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So I think uh, we would agree, and we certainly see the scriptures teach that when we place the traditions of men above God's word and reject a clear passage of scripture, we're really placing ourselves into this category that Jesus just spoke about, right? That's exactly right. And Jesus made it clear, you know, one of the problems with the controversy that we're going to be dealing with later in our in our next podcast is that people want to separate the apostles from Jesus. They want to say, we know Jesus is Lord and we trust him, but some of the things that Paul has said or Peter has said or James has said is, is so foolish that we won't believe it. But what they fail to recognize is that on that last night in John chapters 13 through uh, 17, about six times Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all that I spoke to you, and he will guide you into all the truth. So much so that when Jesus was ready to leave in Matthew 28, he says, I want you to go to all nations and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that I commanded you. And that's exactly what they did. And the Holy Spirit made sure they did it perfectly. And that's why Jesus can say, and then I will be with you always to the end of the age. The only way Jesus can be with us is if we accept the writings and the teachings of those who are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if we buy in to this foolish idea that somehow Jesus has things to say that are more important than the apostles. Even Jesus himself said, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. And so we have to understand when I'm reading Paul, when I'm reading Peter or James or Matthew, I am reading God's word. And if I reject that, I'm rejecting the words of Jesus because Jesus is the one who gave them the words that they are speaking. So when I have a controversy, in other words, I'm, I'm reading a scripture and I'm saying to myself, that can't be true. Well, if we reject it and we don't receive it, then on the judgment day, that very command that we would not submit to because we couldn't see how it could possibly be true, it's going to judge us. And God's going to ask us then, look, here's what I told you to do. Why didn't you do it? Well, Lord, I, it didn't make any sense. I didn't think that it was the right thing to do. How do you think the Lord's going to respond to that? The Lord wants faith. He wants trust and he wants submission. And so when we are looking at a controversial scripture, we either have to screen ourselves out of the scriptures by rejecting it, or we have to screen ourselves out of the wisdom of this world by accepting it. And those are our only two options. And as I said, from culture to culture, from generation to generation, those controversies are going to be different. But when we look back, for example, when God told Abraham, go offer your son on a, as a burnt offering. Now, we would see that command and say, wait a minute, Lord, that doesn't make any sense. You've told us not to kill. Why would you ask me to kill? On top of that, you told me this son is going to be the one that all the promises go through. And if I kill him, I won't get any of the promises. Abraham didn't do any of that. Abraham said, well, he didn't say anything. He got up the next day. And they started on the journey. He didn't even wait. He didn't question at all because that was the man Abraham was. He was a man of faith. And that's the kind of man I want to be or the kind of woman that the rest of our audience who are women, that's what we want. We want to trust God completely. Yeah, and I think it's real interesting that you're tying now in the concept of faith uh, into these kinds of controversies. In some ways, you know, our listeners in our audience could associate faith with, in some ways, letting go of our own thinking or letting go of our own think-sos or, as you said, letting go of our own thoughts that, you know, this is, you know, silly or foolish and uh, letting go of what our own wisdom might teach and instead having faith, trust, confidence, whatever, to go with what God has said, go with God's wisdom. 
in fact, I'm kind of reminded of what Proverbs uh, 3, verses 5 through 7 talks about, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And, you know, if, if it sounds like certainly a key element of faith is to say, you know, I see this scripture, I know it applies. It doesn't really quite make sense to me right now, but that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and set my own wisdom aside and trust God. And maybe I'll learn more, you know, about it in the future. Exactly. That's exactly right. When I reach a level of maturity and trust in God, where I don't care how I think about this subject, God said it. And since God said it, I'm going to change. I have to be the one to change. God's will goes back into eternity. When he and all of the things that he went it went into his mind to decide how he was going to create the heavens and the earth, how he was going to create man and woman, and what roles he was going to give to them, uh, that was fixed. Now, man's going to come and go. Some men are going to say, I want to do this. Some men are going to say, I want to do that. But God's will is... Is, is critical. As a matter of fact, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, he that doeth the will of God abides forever. So when we think about controversial scriptures, and now we're going to, we want to, I want to move into something that I think is, uh, uh, it's really interesting. I've been a Christian now for 48 years, and I have watched my culture change, and it has been fascinating, but also very disconcerting, very sad to see, but I be I'm amazed at how far in that short period of time everything God has said about the role and the work of a woman is now not only controversial, but highly controversial. It's become a very emotionally charged subject. And part of it traces back to the woman's movement, which uh, came about uh, over the last century where women wanted equality and they wanted to be able to vote and they wanted equal pay for equal work. And I don't think any of us would disagree that, that that's not something that would be true. And so it started, the foundations of the women's movement was founded just right solid on the scriptures. But then over time, the women said, we want equality in the home. We don't want to be submitting to our husbands, and we want equality uh, in every other realm. And at that point, the scriptures became controversial. And a verse that would have been quoted a hundred years ago, and everyone would have said amen, has now become a verse where an entire segment of people is ready to despise it. They just look at it and they think, how can the Bible say that? Doesn't the Bible realize, doesn't God realize that women are equal? Well, of course he realized. He created us. He created both of us in his image and after his likeness. And so when we read something directly from the word of God and it creates a despising attitude, it, that, that, that ought to tell us something. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses uh, 22 through 24. Okay, I can do that. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And I'd just like our listeners to think for a moment. Do you see this scripture as absolute truth? Do you see it as controversial? Do you see it that something as something that should be despised, something that should be looked down upon, something that should be disgusting to us? And as I said, if you're deep in the world, if you have bought into human wisdom and worldly wisdom, then this passage is going to seem out of step. It's going to be one of those passages that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where he said, the base things and the things that are despised and the things that are weak. And what he goes on to say is that this will 
keep some people out of the church and drive some people out of the church. And God knew that. And God was willing to accept that. If we can't trust God enough to change our thinking, to submit to his thinking, regardless of how important and logical and how much it makes sense in this world for women to have complete equality in the home, God didn't give that to us. God didn't give that. He said women, and it's interesting how he does this because uh, the same thing is true with Jesus and the Father. Uh, we we learn in First John or John chapter one that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So Jesus and God have equal abilities, as illustrated by the fact that when God said, "Let there be light," Jesus had the knowledge, the understanding, and the power to make the light. And when God said, "Let the dry land appear and make the animals and make the sun, the moon, and the stars." The Word who became flesh and was Jesus had the knowledge and the understanding. But when Jesus left heaven, he came to this earth as a servant. And it didn't dishonor him in the least. He did not have any care or concern as to how the world looked at him as he did the Father's will. When he had to be spit on, when he had to be beaten, when he had to be... uh, Uh, nails driven into his hands and into his feet. He didn't say, this doesn't make any sense to me, Lord. This doesn't make any sense. I haven't done anything wrong. The Lord understood, and he said it several times. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so, as far as Jesus was concerned, God's will was higher than his. And that's how uh, the Holy Spirit puts this here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord Jesus Christ, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, So Jesus was made the head of the church, and Jesus, that illustrates that God made the husband the head of the wife. Now, we may or may not like this verse. We may or may not agree with this verse. That doesn't matter. What matters is, do we believe it And what matters more importantly than that is, are we willing to bring our will under submission to him and agree with God that this passage is not controversial? This passage is the pathway to heaven. This passage is the single most important passage, if it's controversial. I mean, we just need to understand that if something becomes controversial that's in the scriptures, that is a wake-up call to me. And if I want to be like Abraham, if I want to be like Jesus Christ, then I'm, I'm going to take what I think, my own preconceived ideas, what the world thinks is important, I'm going to set them aside. So when it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, that's what it means. Now, you can like it, you can not like it. You can think it's controversial, you can think it's not controversial, but if you reject it, Then Jesus said, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I have spoken will judge him in the last day. This is part of the word that he spoke. And so, like I say, if if the controversy keeps me from obeying the Lord, then Satan has won a great victory. Satan has been able to accomplish something that is so sad it's the garden of eden all over again and it happens all the time not just with don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but wives be in submission to your own husbands and a plethora of other commandments where man says that doesn't make sense to me so this is not a problem with the word of god it's a problem with our culture so Think about it. Those of you who are listening to this podcast, wherever you live in the world, if these passages seem controversial, foolish, base, or despised, what is that telling you about yourself and about your culture? It's not a problem with the Word of God. We need to be very careful as we assess and answer that question, not just with this controversial issue, but all the controversial issues, because the world is never quite in step with the Word of God, 
And when the world is not quite in step with the Word of God, what the Word of God teaches looks foolish, looks base, looks weak, and is despised. And so now, in our culture, this is where the problem has settled, and all of us need to look very carefully at it and decide, where are we going to stand? Are we going to stand with God, or are we going to stand with our culture? Yeah, you know, Alan, you hit on a very key point here, really in the very heart of what the scriptures teach us. mean It means to be a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, over in Romans chapter 12, here Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so when we think about you know, presenting our physical bodies as a living sacrifice. This is why we don't drink and do drugs or commit sexual sins against our body because they are a living sacrifice to God. And then he goes on in verse two to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you know, as we talked about in verse one, you know, present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then verse two, we have to make sure that we stop being conformed to this world and instead become transformed. And it's kind of interesting if you look at the Greek word there, metamorphosis, we kind of it might bring some of us back to our science classes where, you know, we learned about how caterpillars go through metamorphosis to become butterflies. Well, God's saying spiritually, this is should be the same thing that should happen to us, right? That instead of being conformed to this world, we are instead transformed through the gospel, through God's word, through his direction. And when we do that, in this sense, we renew our minds. And so, you know, it, it often, Alan, as you kind of touched on, whether it's the culture that we live in and what is common thought among the wisdom of men, or, you know, we might even have listeners that belong to a religion who have embraced this idea of, well, women, you know, are equal with men in all senses. And so, therefore, we have to reject that once we see what the scriptures truly teach and instead rely, as you've been pointing out, solely on what God's word teaches us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's interesting that uh, this verse and the verse in First Peter that we started with. Uh, fit together uh, perfectly, because Peter spoke of a vain manner of life handed down from your fathers in comparison to the truth that is now revealed in the scriptures. Paul here says that we have those who are conformed to this world and those who are transformed with the word of God. And you made an excellent point with that Greek word metamorphosis, because that's what we see. We see a caterpillar crawling on the ground, Ugly, fuzzy, with multiple legs, never able to reach very far above the ground at all. Goes into a cocoon, comes out of the cocoon with beautiful wings, uh, the ability to fly, the ability to spend its life among the flowers. And, and so the metamorphosis between a grub or a caterpillar and into the butterfly is a perfect analogy here of those people who are still living the vain manner of life handed down from their fathers. And then so God looks down from heaven and he still sees us as caterpillars. He still sees us as worldly people who have not yet been transformed. But those of us who rise above that, who take the will of God and test everything that we believe by the will of God and banish the things that we believe that are not in the Word of God, now we're going through the transformation process. Now we are becoming transformed, and God is going to look down smiling and so happy with us because we are trusting in the Lord with all our heart. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We are acknowledging Him, and we are not wise in our own eyes. And this is what these controversies do. These controversies throw a tremendous roadblock in our transformation process. So let's say, for example, that uh, I'm a woman and I love the Lord with all my heart, but I've been raised in a culture where women are equal. And I come into the Lord's church and I find out that God wants women to submit to their own husbands. And I don't want to do that. 
Well, there's a roadblock. I cannot complete the transformation process to become what God created me as a woman to be unless I'm willing to set aside this teaching and this this foolish uh, information that the world has created. And But it's hard to do that because mother, grandmother, maybe even great-grandmother have, have bought into this. This has been here for a long time now. And as a result of that, there's a lot of people who can go back two, three, four generations and say, this is how it's always been. Well, no, it isn't how it's always been. It's how it's never been, except in cultures that are rebelling against God. The truth is that every godly woman who has ever lived has followed this command. And I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll look at a scripture on that here in just a moment. But I really want to hit at something here just for a, a moment, because this is really, I think, the center part of the issue. And that is people don't understand the glory of service. They don't understand the greatness of service. The more a woman serves her husband, the greater she is in the eyes of God. And the more an employee serves his employer, the greater he becomes in the kingdom of God. Because the Lord made it very clear. Uh, let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 10, verses uh, 42 through 45. Okay, I can do that. And Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they who are counted to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. Whosoever would become great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever should be first among you shall be servant of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, in that particular passage, if I remember that correctly, was that when they were arguing amongst themselves who was going to be greatest? And Jesus said, well, okay, if you want to be great, you need to serve. Do I have the context right? Uh, that was the one in chapter 9. This is the one where Peter and John try to sneak into the rest of the, and ask for the number one and number two position in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, so okay. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asked. And then he completes it with this. And if you compare this verse with the verse in Ephesians, I think you see a profound thought, especially if you look at verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to be ministered to but to minister. The word minister here means to serve. He did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And as Paul points out in Philippians chapter 2, because he did that, God has given him a name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And yet, he had to be crucified. He had to be beaten. He had to be mistreated. He had to be whipped. He had to be mocked and scorned and allowed someone to drive that uh, crown of thorns into his head. And, and he did all of that because he wanted to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so he became, because of his willingness to submit to those who were not properly treating him, God has highly exalted him. So when Jesus applies this principle to all disciples, he says that if you look at the world, and, and, and that's exactly true today, you know that among the Gentiles, those women who are not allowing their husbands to tell them what to do are viewed as powerful, strong, and wonderful women. And that's what Gentiles do. But, and, and their great ones exercise authority. And those who can't exercise authority, that's despised, that's looked down upon. But Jesus says in verse 43, it's not going to be like that among my disciples. Among my disciples, people have to understand service is the path to greatness. Submission is the path to greatness. So if you want to be first, then become a servant to all. And so when the wives are told that they should serve their husbands, that gives them the path to greatness. Now, I realize there's probably some listeners out there thinking, well, you're a man and you're just trying to pull the wool over our eyes and get us to think that we should be in submission. But that's not true. The truth is that the scriptures that were written, what, 2,000 years ago, had nothing to do with me or this culture or this country or anything or any culture today. Wives submit 
to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, look at what it says in verse 43 of Mark. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever would be first among you shall be servant of all. So the only thing that the Holy Spirit is revealing in Ephesians chapter 5 is, here's the path the wives can take to greatness. Now, he's going to deal with the man in other places, and he's going to make absolutely sure that they understand that they are also in submission to Christ and that they have responsibilities and obligations too. But the hot-button problem or the, the controversy today is people don't understand the greatness of service. And if you don't understand how great God thinks service to other people is, just look at Jesus Christ and look at what he did to serve God and to serve us. On the cross, as they're, as they're mocking him and scorning him, and they've got ha- nails in his hands and in his feet, and, and he's thirsting and agonizing, and yet he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He was a servant. He was not uh, someone who despised putting himself under other people. And we shouldn't be either, whether we're a woman or whether we're a man Whether our submission is in this realm or in that realm makes no difference. The fact is, when God says submit, that's my road to greatness. When Satan says that is foolish and you shouldn't accept it, it's controversial and no one else believes it and and the Bible obviously is out of step and so don't believe it. Well, there's my choice. My choice as a Christian is, will I believe God? Or will I look at my culture? Will I be met? Will I go through the metamorphosis, the transformation of accepting God's will and no longer allowing this world to mold and change me into something that God doesn't want me to be? And so this is an issue that we all have to look at. So I freely admit that the command for women to submit to their husbands is controversial. I admit that it's it's despised. A lot of people look at that and and they wouldn't become a Christian once they read this verse. There is no way I am going to give up my equality. There's no way I'm going to give up the great strides that we have made as women. And as I said earlier, I don't disagree with the great strides, but when you start taking your strides away from the scripture, then that's no longer a great stride. That is a step backward. When we move away from God, what God created us to be, we're falling into the trap of Satan, and we're going to end up on the judgment day with a clear scripture, and God is going to say, why didn't you do this? And you're going to say, because I didn't think I needed to, and you'll, we all know how that's going to end up. So the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are those individuals who will trust and be in submission to that. And it, it's so sad, really. Uh, Brian, would you like to read 1 Peter 3, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 6? Because I want, I want the women out there to understand what they're missing out on if they buy into what the world is telling them and they accept that this controversy is something that we are not going to give in to. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Verse 5 says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. This passage is profound. I mean, there's so much truth here that we need to look at and we need to give careful consideration to. First of all, what we have to realize is that only God knows what our heart should look like. And only knows God knows what emotions should be there and what emotions should be banished. The misuse of emotions, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if a man looks at another woman to lust after her, then he's committed adultery. Here's a good emotion, an emotion to be shared with the wife of his youth. But if it is moved away from that, now it's something that can't be in the heart. It will bring destruction. 
So the hidden person of the heart is very, very important to God. And here we're told that a woman who is submissive to her own husband and has developed the emotions, the logical conclusions, and the importance of what Jesus said about the greatness of serving, she will become a woman with incorruptible beauty. Incorruptible beauty. That means it can never fade. It means it will, we'll take it with us into eternity. It will not be left behind with this fleshly body. When the body corrupts and goes back to the dust, and whatever beauty we tried to work with and work on while we were in this fleshly body is gone forever, those women who submitted to their own husbands, who accepted the challenge to rise above the controversy and actually do what God said, they're going to have an incorruptible beauty, an eternal beauty, based on a gentle and a quiet spirit. And that's what submission brings to us. Whether we're a man or whether we're a woman, it brings a gentle and quiet spirit. I'm reminded of Jesus when he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for I am meek, and lowly, which is almost exactly the same idea as this gentle and quiet. Jesus is a very gentle, lowly, uh, kind, and understanding Savior. And this woman who has this gentle and quiet spirit is going to be a very kind, a very gentle, and a very submissive person. And that is the heart of what Jesus said would make us great in the kingdom of heaven. So her role in the home is her opportunity to become the servant that Jesus wants. It gives her the opportunity to be transformed, to renew her mind, to leave behind what the world is teaching, and to accept what the Holy Spirit is teaching. And that is that this gentle and quiet spirit, which is incorruptible beauty, and then he even adds to that, it's very precious in the sight of God. Precious like gold because of its being rare, and precious like gold because of its beauty. And the same thing is true. It's so sad that these controversies over this subject have disqualified so many wonderful women from this incorruptible beauty, this gentle and quiet spirit, and this preciousness in the sight of God. And Satan has won a tremendous victory when he can get us to look at a scripture and despise it. To look at a scripture and say, I am not going to do that. And it just breaks my heart because the Holy Spirit here is telling us that that good and perfect and acceptable will of God that we can be transformed into is based on submission. Wives to your own husbands. And that will create the incorruptible beauty. It will lead to an inquiet and gentle spirit. And it will bring precious, preciousness to the sight of God. Then in verse 5, he makes the point that I made earlier, and that is, that's how all holy women who trusted in God from the very beginning, that's how they adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. So the, the result, the end result of having an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God, is going to be the submission to their husbands. If you hate submission, you cannot gain this incorruptible beauty. If you hate submission, you will never have a gentle and quiet spirit, and you will never be precious in the sight of God. Now, these are God's words. Despise them at your peril. Look down upon them at your own loss. Satan is gaining a great victory when someone reads the scripture and says, they just dig in their heels, I am not going to do this. Well, you're disqualifying yourself from this meek, gentle, beautiful, eternal, and precious spirit. So again, verse 5, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves by being in submission to their own husbands. And then he, then he goes to Sarah. He says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good. So here's another interesting consideration. Those women who are in submission are daughters of Sarah. Now, that becomes important because when we go to Galatians, it says, we, like Isaac, are children of promise. And women who are in submission are also these children of promise. 
So when we look at this controversial scripture, and again, it is, be submissive to your husband. That is a tremendously controversial, so controversial that most people won't even think about it. They just It just leaves their mouth. It leaves their mind. I don't want anything to do with this. This is disgusting. We work so hard to get where we are, we're not going to be brought back under again. But Satan is the only one who's going to gain from that attitude. God will be suffering a loss. We will be suffering a loss. Our children will be suffering a loss. We can break this terrible cycle of this aimless conduct handed down. We can hand down to our children the true teachings of Scripture. But it's all based on this. We have to trust. We have to trust that in former times, holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. That's how it was in the first century. That's how it was in the time of Abraham. That's how it was throughout the entire Old Testament period. All women who were holy, all women who had an incorruptible beauty, a gentle and quiet spirit, they trusted in God and were in submission to their own husbands. So why should we disqualify ourselves from that? Why should we allow the prejudice of our age to keep us from becoming what God created and designed and planned and wanted us to become? So when women reject this because of their culture, because of their prejudice, Satan is the only winner. We have to rise above this folly. Now, it may not seem like folly because we've believed it our whole life, but trust me, it is folly. We have to accept Scripture. We're Christians. We have to accept Scripture. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and we have to start looking inwardly to the things of the heart. Brian, would you read 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, please? While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so I would just like to encourage all of our listeners, men or women, who have rejected the idea that wives should be submissive to their own husbands because of the conditions of the present culture that we live in, that we're looking at the things that are seen. We're not looking at the things that are not seen. The things that are not seen in the scriptures is this incorruptible beauty, this gentle and quiet spirit, this preciousness in the sight of God that comes from submission. And But the things that are seen are telling us that is folly. That is foolishness. I am not going to do that. I'm going to dig my heels in. I don't care what that preacher says. I am not going to believe this verse. But it's only because you're looking at what is seen. The things that are not seen are in the scriptures. We have to look away from what this world, we're, we don't want to be conformed to this world, even though it feels more comfortable to be conformed to this world, even though it fits better with our worldview. But the scriptures are eternal. The worldview that we have right now is very short-sighted. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, the things which are seen are temporary. So everything that we see, everything that makes sense to us, that we think about, regardless of how controversial it is, regardless of how far away from the scriptures it is, the things that are seen are temporary. So if you choose the temporary, I'm not going to do what the scriptures say, then you too will be temporary. But if you choose the things that are not seen, that's eternal, and you will become eternal. And we we need to never forget, God does not see things the way we see things. Uh, Jeff, would you like to read uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you know, that's what Scripture is designed to do. Scripture is designed to look into our heart. When God puts these foolish base, despised things into the scriptures. It's not because they're really foolish or base or despised. It's because God knows from generation to generation that some of those things he has put into the scriptures are going to look that way. And so today in our culture, we see the command for wives to be in submission 
as a controversial scripture. We see it as a scripture that is uh, completely despised and looked down upon. And if that's happening in the world, well, we would expect that because that's what the world does. But when it comes into the church, when it comes into the hearts of those who call themselves disciples of Jesus, when those who call themselves disciples of Jesus are saying, we do not believe this verse, that terrifies me because what you're saying is, I'm not going to do what the Holy Spirit is saying. It doesn't help you to say, well, those are just Paul's words. They're not Paul's words. They're the Holy Spirit's words that Paul has spoken. And if you don't believe that, then the entire New Testament loses all of its credibility, and it becomes just like every other book in the world, something to be accepted or rejected, depending on whatever we like. But we, as God's people, we understand that it is God's word, and it is the truth. And so uh, I would just urge everyone who hears this podcast, I, I understand this is controversial, and our next podcast will be even more controversial. And that's why I wanted to start it like this. There's no point in saying this is what God expects and then have everybody's walls clump come closing down and now we're not going to listen anymore. I want you to listen. I want you to understand that we all have this tremendous opportunity to become precious and beautiful and great in the eyes of God based on our service to him and our service to others. But if Satan can convince us otherwise, then we will lose all this. Now, I've been listening to you know, what you have to say, and I think I can put myself into the minds of, of maybe some of our listeners and can think of maybe, you know, maybe two objections that people in our audience you know, might have come up with that we can talk about very briefly. I think one objection could be, well, you know, we're just you know, picking on women, right? You know, it's the classic you know, oppressing women. But I think you've tried very carefully to point out that this concept of submission and being in subjection is something that uh, Jesus did, you know, to the will of the Father. Uh, and as a matter of fact, even the passage I think you quoted earlier from First uh, Peter chapter 3, 1, where it says, wives likewise be submissive. If our listeners will go back to the previous chapter, uh, chapter 2 of uh, 1 Peter, and read down near the end, you know, he's talking about Jesus and his willing to suffer and submit, which, Alan, I think you made that point earlier. In fact, even the uh, one of the early verses you mentioned, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves. The immediately preceding verse, uh, Ephesians 5, 21, talks about submitting yourselves one to another. So it's not that we're just picking on women. It's just this concept of submission is in all different kinds of roles. Would that would that be fair for the first objection? I think that that's that's completely true. Every Christian has to submit, and that submission is going to be different. But I will say this: it's just as hard for any man to submit to the things God has told him to submit to as it is for any woman to submit to the things that she has been asked to submit to. But the bottom line is that if we will all submit, then God will be very pleased and we will be manifesting our metamorphosis to him. Good point. The second objection I think that I can envision some of our listeners potentially coming up with uh, might be, well, yeah, what you're saying in the verses you're reading, you know, that was certainly true back then. You know, but, you know, we've evolved over the centuries. You know, we're, we're much more sophisticated today, you know, unless we're living in a, in a Muslim-dominated country. You know, our women are much better educated. They can read. They can write. They can reason. They can make decisions, you know, just as well and sometimes, if not better, than their husbands. And so, in essence, we no longer need this concept, which in our culture is somewhat antiquated, that women, you know, need to be in subjection to their husbands, you know, because they're, you know, less educated or less informed, etc. Would you care to comment briefly on that? Well, we can talk a little bit about that, but we're actually encroaching on our next podcast because that's going to be one of the points that I would like to make. Let me give you one illustration. A big corporation has two challenges. The first challenge is to work with what they already have and keep what they already have pertinent. Second challenge is to be looking ahead. So you have a company like Apple. 
and Apple is deeply concerned and half of their workforce is making sure for great quality control over what they have. But then there's another entire division of Apple that is designed to looking into the future and bringing new and even more improved things than were in existence before. So if you were to ask the question, well, which side of Apple is more important? Is the phone that is already here more important and the quality control, or is the phone of the future that they're working on? And uh, I think we'd all have to agree they're exactly the same. And that's really the difference between men and women. Women are working with the future. Women are working with children. They are working to prepare for the future. And men have been given God by God the responsibility to work with the present. Just like one side of apples working with the present, one side of apples working with the future, God has made the family unit so that the men are working with the present and the women are working with the future. And the future of the church is in the hands of the women. But if the women are so interested in what's going on now and being in control over the things that are being done now, then the next generation is going to be shorted and God's going to be very disappointed. And so when we look at the roles of the man and the woman and we look at their positions, God has put them both into subjection to his will. And we have responsibilities and obligations. So I don't want women thinking at all that their role is somehow less than, than that of, of the man because they're working with the future because that would be the same thing with Apple. I think the men, who are, or the, or the men and women who are trying to figure out how to make the phone better in the future, uh, I have a lot of respect for them. But I also have a lot of respect for the people who are quality control and, and involved in what's being made now. So I, I hope that kind of answers the question, Jeff. But it's also a teaser because that's what we're going to be talking about in our in our next podcast. I like that. So I'm a straight man in that case. Appreciate that. Uh, Brian, any uh, closing comments before I wrap it up by uh, telling people what they can find at our website? Yeah, final thought for me, you know, as we talk about the man's role as it relates to the woman's role, and I guess, Alan, we, we're probably in the future, maybe uh, we can have a podcast on the role of men. But, you know, when you think about man's role, once again, as it relates to a woman's role, you know, sometimes women take the lead, and I kind of think there's two extremes. You know, one extreme is the woman takes the lead because the man is not fulfilling his responsibilities, and so the woman has really almost no choice but sort of to be the head of the house and to take the lead and so forth. And then the other extreme is because of these commands that you've covered, sometimes you have men who lord it over their wife, right? Like we read in Mark chapter 10, and they want to be the dictator. They want to make sure it's known that whatever I say goes because you're in subjection to me. And, and that's not what the Bible teaches, right? I mean, a husband and wife heirs. Um, they, as you talked about, you know, when it comes to raising children, they both have a role. So anyhow, uh, I think it's interesting that sometimes women are almost put into these positions of being a leader because their husband's not, or their husband takes it too far and becomes his dictator. Right. Well, I would just point back to Jesus. Jesus was in submission to God. He was severely mistreated by the Jewish leaders. He was severely mistreated by almost the entire Jewish nation and the Roman nation. And yet, Jesus did not usurp authority. He allowed them to do what they wanted to do because he knew that his God was able to take that service and make it what it needed to be. And so women are in the same situation. Many women are being treated just like the Lord. They're being treated with contempt, they're being treated rudely, but if they want the meek and quiet spirit, if, if they want that gentle and, and incorruptible beauty, they just need to follow the Lord. What the Lord did was he stayed in submission to God and he did the very best he could with the wicked people who were lording it over him. And so I would just encourage all the women out there, keep your spirit meek, keep your spirit quiet, uh, Keep your relationship with your husband in submissive to the best of your ability, but continue to do the will of God, and God will be so pleased with you, and you'll receive an eternal reward. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate those closing thoughts. So before we wrap it up for today, I know we kind of gave people a little bit of a teaser uh, 
regarding part two. Uh, did you want to add anything to that before we uh, wrap it up for the night? Yeah, let me just say this. Uh, there's a tremendous controversy today over whether or not women should be preaching, women should be elders, women should be song leaders or leading prayers in congregations. And that's going to be our topic. We're going to explore that. We're going to look at what the Word of God says and compare it to what the world is saying today. We will see some conflicts. We still will see some things that are uh, very different. And But I hope we can remember the introduction to this class, which was actually almost a class, or excuse me, a podcast in and of itself, which is uh, we have to accept God's Word no matter what controversy is created. And, and that's going to be the basis of what we do next time. Thank you. Appreciate that insight. And as we wrap up at least tonight's podcast, would encourage our listeners to come back and listen to a part two once it gets posted. Uh, but in the meanwhile, uh, certainly appreciate uh, you taking the time, Alan, to uh, join us uh, this evening and provide some of this uh, insight uh, on this very controversial subject. Uh, also, for our listeners, I might also vector them to our website at biblequestions.org where they can find a considerable amount of material on this and related subjects. Under the Topics menu item, you can find material under W for Women, M for Marriage, and F for Family. And as always, we would encourage our listeners to you know, read and study the material, especially the scriptures, uh, do your own research, uh, compare what you've heard tonight with what the scriptures actually say, and then have the willingness to obey what the scriptures indeed say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.